Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Sex trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Carl slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Six to this A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Opening week is finally upon us. The Cavs are playing regular season basketball this week. And joining us today is a very special guest to answer some of our burning questions about this year. But before we get to that, I have to introduce my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? I thought I was the special guest, but I, I no. guess not. No, no, un- unfortunately not. But joining us today, entering his 24th season on an NBA bench, having served as both an assistant and a head coach, assistant coach for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Sidney Lowe. Coach, how's it going? It's going great, guys. And uh, thank you for having me on. Oh, it, it is an absolute pleasure. Uh, as, as I was digging through your resume, I, I was impressed to learn uh, that you were the last head coach of the Vancouver Grizzlies, uh, which to me is interesting as a Canadian. If there was a team in Vancouver, as I kind of went into those high school years, I don't know if I would have been a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I, I think having a team outside he, of Toronto. He was a man without a country. I, I was a man without a country. I wasn't about to support a Toronto team. Uh, but <laughs> we are very excited to have you on. And I actually want to start off before we get into the Cavs. I, I want to talk about kind of the evolution of the game uh, through your lens as a coach uh, over uh, your career. Um, what has changed the most during your time as a coach in the NBA? Is, is it how you approach players? Is it the complexity of the schemes or other evolutions of the game? What do you feel like has changed the most over that time? I, I think it's... Um... It's definitely a couple of things, um, but if I had to say most, probably since the time when I came in, just the way the game is played now, um, mm-hmm. then, you know, the game was really, you had great guards in this league, but you had dominant big men. Right. And, and you know, oftentimes coaches would tell the guards the game is played inside out, um, whereas now the game is played outside out, <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not outside in, it's, um, it's outside out. So, um, you know, that, that's a big difference. That's a big difference because again, there's, there's not a lot of dominant big men. We have, we have a couple guys obviously that can go down on the block and get you baskets. So um, the game has really changed uh, from that aspect uh, where there are a lot more, obviously a lot more threes being taken um, today. Um, than it was back then. Uh, the stretch now they don't say power forwards. They say yeah, I feel like that position forwards. just doesn't even exist anymore. It doesn't exist. No, there's no <laughs> power forwards now. You know, there's no Carl Malones and you know Otis Thorpe's and guys like that now. So it's it's now stretch fours. Uh, so so definitely the game itself has changed. Um, I, I think yeah, you know the the relationship part of coaches with players and understanding um, the guys now, you know, guys are coming in a little younger, a lot younger, Mm -hmm. actually, because, you know, back then you basically went four years of college. So, so you had a chance to, to mature a little more, Uh, not saying these guys aren't mature, but when you get four years of of college, you know, you, you, 
you have a chance for a coach to really. So Twenty three year old me was a lot is a lot better of a person than nineteen year old me. Right? So, so you know, like, that's just that's natural, just life, right? That's yes. life in general. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so it's different in that aspect. Those guys coming out back then, they they, uh, they experience some things uh, that the younger guys don't get an opportunity to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's whether it's you know getting used to a coach really getting on you real hard and yelling at you and really not caring about what you think, you know, (laughs) Um, but but now you get the guys and, you know, so there's an adjustment on their part, but it's also an adjustment on the coach's part because at at the end of the day, the game today, it's, it's about, it's about, um, uh, I say relationships, you know, Mm. in terms of understanding uh, each other, you know, the player also has to understand the coach, but coaches have to, you really have to, uh, get to know your your players. You've got to get to know them because it's it's more important now that you you get to know them not just on the court, um, but but off the court. You know, um, I, I try to I try to start conversations off with with the guys, especially new guys that I meet. I want to know the situation, their background, their family members. You know, their kids. You know, their siblings. Um, you know, just so we're not just always talking basketball. Right. So, uh, you know, Justin and I always like to joke that to, to dumb fans like us, every NBA off front office is two people, the coach, the coach and the GM. And, you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, there is this full coaching staff that all have, you know, specialized skills, specialized roles. And you talked about those relationships in your first year. Is there a player you've kind of found yourself gravitating to that? You're like, oh, this is going to be one of my kind of guys that's on this roster right now. In my first year in the league or my, or my year here. The first year here, uh, this 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 time around. This time around, um, actually, you know, it's a couple of guys, but I, you know, the guy that comes up to me quite a bit. I say comes up to me, but we talk is is a Jetty. Mm, <laughs> you know? Really? Yeah, he just you know he he comes to me. He and uh, and uh, marketing, um, they both seem they they come to me to just to just to talk, and they have a smile on their faces. Um, I myself, obviously, I gravitate towards guards. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, so Colin and and, and Darius, obviously, mm-hmm. those guys. You know, I, I I try to gravitate towards those guys. So I, I it's been actually really good because these guys are they're such great guys, and 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 I feel very comfortable, um, you know, talking to to all of them really. Yeah, you know, are, are legends of of Colin's uh, uh, workout insanity true? <laughs> I tell you what, you know, and I, I said this, I said the only guy, well, a couple of guys, but the one guy that he reminded me of the way he worked out was Kevin Garnett. Wow. Um, really? Wow. That's yeah, high praise. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I saw Colin work out for the first time um, by himself and how he uh, went hard and attacked the rim when he was running the drills with Mike G and I'm watching him, I said, well, let me see if he does that again. And he did it again. I said, let me see if he does it again. And each time he just went so hard. And I thought the only guy that I saw do that like that was Kevin Garnett, who did it every time. You know, when when Garnett went by himself one on no, and I would pass him the ball, he was in the post. He always made moves like someone was guarding him. Right. You know, he he made the same. I mean, his, his practice energy, like he's going to play, right? He practiced like he played. That's what he did. And mm-hmm. that's and that's that. And Colin, Colin does that. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, practicing at sixty uh, percent speed isn't exactly going to help prepare you for those games. You you yeah. mentioned how it's more of a collaborative uh, process when it's working with the players these days. Now, has that impacted the dynamics of how tasks are delegated among a coaching staff? I mean, uh, one one of the things that we really noticed uh, with the pandemic was without fans you get a real sense of how big those benches truly are and how many people are a part of that process of of coaching and working with a team. Uh, ha- has there been changes to the dynamics of coaching staff um, with dealing with those players or, or how tasks are delegated amongst the staff uh, during your time as a coach? Yes, yeah, because, you know, when I, when I first got into it, we had three coaches. <laughs> 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 it's a little more robust now, eh? Yeah, you know, you have more guys now. So, you know, three coaches back then, you you were really talking to a lot of guys. But no, coach, coach will will definitely uh, delegate. You know, certain guys to to either work with with certain players. Um, and so, you know, it's that guy's job, that coach's job, to um, to make sure that his player gets certain information that they're aware of certain things. Uh, you know, if you see something happening on the court, you know, you might grab them at a timeout and just remind them of something because you you don't want to have too many people in the ear, you know, mm-hmm. of one player. So, um, but the, the key is that all of us as coaches, we're delivering the same message uh, that the head coach would deliver. Right. And so that that's the important part. You know, I, you, know you, you, you have to be careful as an assistant when you're assigned a player that, you you don't you you want to be close you want to make sure that they um that you're able to talk to them but at the same time you have to make sure that they still see you as a coach and not as a uh, just a friend right because you know as a, as assistant coach you've got to be able to tell them the tough things that he may not want to hear so and and those are the things that the head coach might be telling them. so we have to make sure we deliver that message but the key part to that, though, is that you develop that relationship early so that now when you have to tell him something that he may not want to hear, he knows where it's coming from. He knows that it's coming from um, um, love and concern and just want to want to help you to to be the best you can be. So that's why that that's why that relationship and understanding is so important. One thing that uh, we've heard from the Cavs the past year or two Uh, has been wanting to build a culture of accountability. And we heard it again at Media Day this year. Uh, Colin talked about it. I think Coach Coach Bickerstaff talked about it as well. What does that look like in practice to you? Because, you know, it's such an easy buzzword to say, hey, we're going to be accountable this year. But actually doing it is is another matter. So what does that look like in practice in your mind? Um, I I think Coach has has definitely made that point in practice. You know, um, there's times when he will stop practice and 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 let the guys know that what we're doing and how we're doing it right now is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so his his voice is definitely heard. In fact, he did it today. Um, you know, he did it today and he told him we need to have a better day tomorrow. So, you know, he, he, he certainly is is, uh, as they say, walking the walk you know, um, or walking the talk, whatever he, he's doing it. And, and so that's what, and we, as, as assistants, you know, when coach gives us a, a, an assignment or a drill to do, you know, we, we have to do the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. it may not be in the voice that coach would do it in, but, 
but we still have to do it. You know, we have to, if we're running a drill and the, the guys know me already, they know from day one, if we're running a drill and you don't do it right, I'm going to say, do it again, you know, <laughs> and you do it again until we do it right. Because it's, you know, when coach gives us an assignment, it's up to us to make sure that these guys do it the way he wants them to do it. And so, you know, our guys know me already. And, and so I won't tell you what they call me, but, but um, <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. It's just, it's just, it makes me feel old. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. I, I feel like one of our strengths as fans between Carter and myself is we understand how little we actually do know. And one of the things. We're so good at knowing how what, much we don't know. Yeah. That's well, one of our strengths. <laughs> what One of the illuminating moments for me in, in my kind of experience as a fan was uh, back when Dwayne Casey was with Toronto. After the Rudy Gay trade, he was asked by a media member, hey, you guys, there, there's so much more ball movement. Uh, like, uh, you, I'm noticing that the, the offense is flowing differently. Like, what different plays have you implemented? And his response was, we are running the same things as before. It's now about execution, getting the right players in that are making a difference. And I, I think people assume that NBA coaching is similar to football, where the play is called and that's exactly what you see on the field and you can make the judgments from there. And, and obviously, one of the challenging things with this Gaz roster is there are so many young players. I mean, you look at the, like the core six guys under 23 years old. Uh, can you speak to kind of the challenges of just finding that consistency with such young players that are, that are working through some of those growing pains that you go through when you're trying to become a professional. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it's definitely, you know, work and it's an adjustment um, for the players, you know, because when you look at, as you talk about experienced teams, um, they've gone through that process of being young and either making, you know, mental mistakes, whatever mistakes may be made. Um, but in the, when they, after they get that experience, then they're locked in and they, they know situations, they know details, mm -hmm. they know how important details are um, to do the little things. Um, and that's one of the things that, that coach is talking about now is that we want to learn how to play the game. You know, part of, part of player development is not just showing guys how to go between their legs and do one-on-one -on -one moves and all that stuff, right? Part of development is teaching them how to play the game. And that's, that's what experienced players do. They know how to play the game. So, so getting younger teams um, to understand how important it is to do all of those little things is huge. It's just huge. You know, you can, you know, you can take players from different teams that are experienced and put them on any team in the league and they will play the same way because they just know how to play. So, so something, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Mm -hmm. So I was going to ask this because I thought a big takeaway from this last NBA championship where Giannis led the Bucks to a title and, you know, he didn't add a ton to the, you know, the quote unquote bag. Uh, you know, it's not like he was all of a sudden, like everyone forever was like, oh, he's just got to learn how to shoot threes. And then everything also open up. And I don't think that's what changed for him. I think he just got better at the game. I think he learned to feel the game better and kind of see those spaces in between uh, each action a little faster. And my question to you and a team this young is how do you fast track that? Because some of this stuff, it's not about, you know, Darius has to get better at X. It's mostly it's it's a lot of that intangible stuff. How do you fast track 
that kind of development that is so not about their actual skill set, but about the way they perceive the information around them? Um, I, I think by, you know, what we talked about earlier, by the fact that when we work, when we practice, we practice just like you're in a game. Mm-hmm. You practice with the same tempo, the same speed, um, the same details um, of that you would in a game. Uh, second, um, teaching those moments, you know, when, when there's a, a play made and there's an there's a, there's a easy right decision that should be made, and you try to do something different for yourself, you know, and coach, you blow the whistle. I said, no, the play is over here. That's the play. That's the right play to make. And so I, I think it's something where you just, you have to continuously remind them. And they won't like it. They won't, <laughs> they, they won't like it. You know, they're going to say, coach, you're messing with my game right now. Right. You know, right. but, but, but you have to, you have to continuously just teach them the right play. It's the right play to make, you know, and and that's that's all Giannis did. He didn't he didn't need the sexy three, like you said. People said he needed, you know, players. Want, a lot of players want to be sexy. Sex losing is not sexy. Winning is <laughs> sexy, right? And so so Giannis said, "No, I do this well, and I'm going to do this." And these guys around me, right? They compliment me when I do this, and 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 you're right. He didn't add a three to his game. He just continued to get better at what he was doing and understanding when he needed to do it and when he didn't. So, you know, again, it goes back to understanding how to play the game and understanding how to win. You know, there's winning is not easy. It's mm-hmm. not easy, but you have to learn how to win. And that means decision making becomes paramount. I mean, you have to make the right decisions. Absolutely. And uh, it, it was really interesting from our perspective to watch the preseason. We obviously got off to a rough start against Chicago. And, and then as it progressed, you could tell, OK, there's a little more movement. Uh, the d- defensive intensity was better. Guys like Evan Mobley, like you could tell game by game, he seems to be learning so much. Um, when you look back at the preseason, was there one aspect of what the Cavs were doing that went better than you expected, um, uh, having worked with them in, in practice? Um. You know, as you said, we we got better from mm-hmm. that first Chicago game to the second Chicago game, and obviously Indiana. You can see uh, a lot of improvement. Um, I don't know if it was anything that went um, that I didn't expect to happen. Okay. You know, because you know when you're coaching, you you expect it. You you expect we're going to continuously get better. But I give the guys credit for the fact that they did pick up the concepts defensively. Um, our ball movement got much better. As you saw, the mm-hmm. ball was moving around, a uh, body movement. Um, the thing that I was impressed with or surprised me a little bit, actually, was the big three lineup, you know? Yeah, that, yeah that, me too. Yeah, that that went, I would say that went better than I expected. It went better <laughs> than I expected, you know? I mean, I didn't have any expectations on it, but it really impressed. I was like, wow, that's that looked pretty good, you know, and I, and I was skeptical. I, I will be the yeah. first to admit that I, I was really skeptical about that. And um, like we've we had discussions about kind of the pros and cons of starting or playing either the, the big three front court or even the starting front court or 
uh, what we're presuming is the starting front court of Okoro, Mobley, and Allen. Obviously, we won't ask you to break any news today, Coach. Yeah, no, yeah, well, you, you don't. You don't I have to reveal. You, you can keep. You can keep those cards <laughs> close to the vest there. Um, but but obviously, with the amount of talent that, that's on this team, there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching, and I, I think people make too much over who's starting versus hey, within the flow of the game. I mean, even the game where the big three started uh, or the three bigs started, they only played five minutes together. There, there's so much mixing and matching. But when you yeah. do have a, a front court of, let's say, Okoro, Mobley, and Allen, what are some tactical adjustments that you feel can be implemented to generate movement and spacing without those guys necessarily being high-volume proven three-point shooters? Because uh, as Carter mentioned, like w- whether it's like Zion in New Orleans where there wasn't a lot of space and they still had an effective offense or uh, Giannis getting it done w- without a three-point shot. What are some of the adjustments you can make when you don't necessarily have those proven shooters to generate that movement and spacing? Well, I, I think what, what we've been doing actually is, is make, just making sure that the ball continues to move. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the spacing, the spacing is huge. You've got to create space because if you, you know, if you're, if you're a player that's, that's not comfortable with shooting, the ball, then you need space. So if you catch it, you can put it on the floor. Um, right. So I, I, I think whether it's Okora at three or Jetty at three or or marketing at three, I think the way we play in terms of our spacing doesn't change. It doesn't change. It just now is it's a matter of what does that guy do when he catches the ball? You know, is he going to drive it or can he shoot it um, if he's open? Uh, but but for us right now, it's just, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that we get the basics down, um, which is the spacing and the ball movement, no matter who's in those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our five is going to normally stay around that that basket area. But the other four guys, they've got to be able to move around um, and keep the ball moving and don't hold the ball. So mm-hmm. the spacing is the most important thing and it's something that we've been been working on a lot. When you're playing a, a lineup like the one that started uh, most of the preseason games, or I guess maybe not most, because we had some some <laughs> players get dinged up here and there, but you know, starting that lineup of uh, you know Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Mobley, and Allen, how important is it for those guards to be stretching the floor with volume three point shooting? to kind of generate that that space where there might not be otherwise. Obviously, three-point attempts is like, if you ask any Cavs fan, they're like, we want Darius to shoot more. We want Colin <laughs> to shoot more. Like, like, how important is that? And how do you coach that up uh, to, to kind of tell Darius, who is someone who likes to pass uh, and, and probe into the defense, like, yo, we know that that shot isn't perfect, but you're really good at shooting, so we want you to take more of those. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's funny, you know, these questions, because it it's going to go back to, again, um, our spacing um, that we play with. And and then depending on who it is, their penetration, because the one thing we talk about with with Darius is is he likes to penetrate and he can find people. Now, the key is once he penetrates and he kicks, he's got to relocate. Mm-hmm. He's got to relocate. And now he's got to get out. So now if someone else drives it, he's ready for the kick for the spot up three. So, you know, that it's, it's interesting when people think about uh, a player generating more threes, they think that that player has to have the ball in their hands to generate it. And you really don't. If everybody else is playing the right way, then they will generate some of those threes 
you know, for DG as well. So he can take some with the ball, but he can get some off the ball if the other guys are doing what they're supposed to do, just like when he penetrates and he finds them for threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, it's funny you, that uh, <laughs> you kind of talk about that relocation because, you know, the master of the relocation three, Steph Curry, is the one who has given Darius a ton, <laughs> ton of love uh, this offseason. Yep. And you're right because, you know, Justin and I talked about this because Justin was someone who was really eager to see Rubio and Darius play together. And mm-hmm. we kind of found in, you know, just watching as fans, we were like, Darius isn't all the way comfy off ball yet. You know, he's used to being on ball and he's going to have to develop those skills if he's ever going to truly, you know, hit his impact ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly right. And that, and that's, that's the important part is, is, is getting comfortable with it. And, um, and then you, you know, the guy you mentioned about relocating, you know, he's, he's the beast, he's the best at it. And so, um, you know, again, understanding that we want Darius to get more threes, um, but they're going to be generated sometimes by other people, right. you know, not just him coming off a of pick and roll and pulling up behind the screen. You know, sometimes those are good shots. Sometimes they're not, you know, so um, if everyone is playing the right way, um, the way coach wants them to play and we keep our spacing and we get that penetration. Now he's open for that kick, you know, but that's that relocation. You've got to, you can't get in the lane, make a pass and then stand in the lane. Right. You, you make the pass. You got to relocate out, get to your your boxes, which we have out there on the court to give just to remind them to get to their spacing. You know, then those, those shots will come. Yeah, I feel off ball movement is going to be such a key for this team offensively. Like a, you could see even in the preseason where um, I, I think things were a little stagnant against Chicago. It, it was kind of Okoro was standing in the corner. You'd see Darius run the pick and roll. But because there wasn't any real movement to set it up, things got a little congested. And then you saw as it progressed, like you, Evan Mobley would get an elbow touch and all of a sudden Okoro's cutting um, baseline because that is now available to him. Uh, Garland is going to need to get comfortable playing off of Ricky Rubio. Um, honestly, like I, I think it's going to be great for his development because whether it's playing with a point guard like Ricky Ricky Rubio, or even just a way to facilitate Okoro getting more on-ball reps or or Mobley initiating the offense. It's so important for these guys um, to learn how to play off-ball, even if they are going to be primary initiators. Can, can you speak to what having a veteran like Ricky Rubio means for these guards? Because obviously the experience that uh, he can lend, uh, it seems like that that's going to be a very big deal for Garland, Sexton, and, and the team overall. Yeah, Rick, Ricky's great, um, and and I think he, I, you know, he has the respect uh, from from the players and uh, Garland and Sexton and uh, Pangos. They they look at him, they look up to him because he he knows how to play the game and he knows how to play that position. Um, and so his conversations with those guys are are so important, um, you know, to our team. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's 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 different from a coach telling you and a player telling you, you right. know, <laughs> they might be telling you the same thing, you know, but, but when you, you're, you're hearing it from someone that's actually in there doing it and that uh, someone who's done it um, recently, not someone back in the day, right. Um, you listen a little better, uh, but, but yeah, he's been great. Ricky has been great. And the more that they can just talk to him and, and absorb um, um his knowledge, his wisdom, it's just going to make them a better player. It's going to make them a better player. And Ricky obviously is one 
that loves to play with guys that move without the ball mm. because when he's penetrating he's looking for cuts he's looking for guys moving to open spots and so you know he's he's, he's going to be great for those guys uh we've spent a lot of time talking about the offensive side of the ball and i think there's a reason why this team was not a particularly strong offensive team last year but you know, the defense really tailed off at the end of last year. And, you know, that's something that Ricky also adds, which is point of attack defense, which is something that, you know, the, the two young guys and Darius and Colin have kind of struggled with at this point in their career. What can they learn from him on that side of the ball? Because there's so much focus on, you know, running the offense on the offensive end. But, man, that guy can defend. And, like, it's not like he has insane physical tools either. I mean, he's he's good size, but that's pretty much it. Like, what can they take from him on that side of the ball? Because that side of the ball, I think, in a lot of ways, will define that backcourt ceiling. Yes, I, I think that, uh, again, you know, talking to him about um, his technique, um, you know, how, how does he get around those screens? What's he doing? What's he, uh, what's he doing to that defender on that pick and roll to make him think he's going to go under, but he goes over, you know? Um, but, you know, the thing with Ricky, first thing with Ricky, one, obviously his intelligence, but two, you know, Ricky's tough <laughs> and, and he, you know, Ricky's going to put his nose in there. He's going to get in there. So, you know, that's, if, if you're going to defend, if you're going to be good at defending or, or, or decent at defending, you got to be willing to put your nose in there. You got to be willing to put your body in there and really get through those screens and fight through those screens. Um, but, but Ricky has learned also, like I said, he's so smart. Um, you know, if you, you, Ricky knows the plays, not just mm -hmm. our plays, he'll know the other team's plays. So he'll know if a guard is trying to make a pass, say to the high post, he knows the play. So he's going to play it and make it tough for him to get, get that pass to the high post, you know, just little things like that. Um, but again, them talking to him, him communicating with them, you know, those, those small things that, as you said, it's not that he's super quick, you know, it's not that he's super athletic but he's smart and he's tough and he's not afraid to put his nose in there. Circling back to kind of the three big lineup. I mean, any combination of love marketing Mobley, Allen, like it, it seemed to really work. And it, like those guys, no matter which combination, it's an absolute unit out there. It's it, did it take any convincing to get those three guys uh, to, to buy into working together on the floor and trying those units or was that something that, hey, they, they view it as an opportunity for playing time and it was an easy sell? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Coach talked to him about it. I mean, I know he talked to him about it, but I don't know if he had to sell him on it. You know, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, we just have some great guys. And, and you know, when, when Coach uh, puts them in a position, they just they go and they do it. You know, marketing at the three, he didn't hesitate. You know, Coach told him to do it, and he, he went there and he played it. You know, he's more mobile than I realized. Like when it comes to the like the almost like Duncan Robinson type threes that he generates on the perimeter uh, to the time he crossed up uh, DeRozan to get to the rim. Like there were yeah. there, there, there was a there were moments that this kind of jumped out as someone that that's been a, a fan of his game, but didn't fully right. comprehend just the, the mobility that he has at that size. Yeah, he. I mean, if you want to. You talk about a surprise. That was a surprise to me. I, I, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about it. We talked about him. Coach talked to us about it. And I didn't know that he would do what he did this fast, this soon. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I say do what he did, like to feel comfortable with it. 
Right. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it would take him some time, but he he just did it, you know. And and the one thing I will say about him is he's learning two positions, and he knows them both already. Wow. He knows he knows the three and the four already. Um, so that that helps, you know. Again, the intelligent part of of understanding how to how to uh, play certain positions when coach puts you in there, um, you know and if I can stay on marketing for a second, he does everything hard. Hmm. Like, you know, I wonder, like, I don't think that would be his reputation. Yeah, like, no, he, he does it. He goes, you know, when we say, you know, run, like he runs every time, like he runs every time, you know, um, I now I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jinx him now. He might get in the game and don't run, but um, <laughs> but no, he you know he he just he does all the little things. He remembers to do the small things that coach talks about. So I'm not surprised uh, now, having been around him, that that um, that he's making that adjustment fast. Um, but it's still going to be an adjustment because he's going to play against some different players, some really good threes when he's at the three. Um, but you know, I, I, I know he's going to work at it and I, I feel good about him. I feel good about him. I would like to talk a little bit about Evan Mobley. Cause he was obviously the prize, the off season, you know, Cavs jumped up in the lotto. What have you seen from him, uh, so, so far in his, you know, his very, very young career, what's something that from, you know, from when you first met him to now that he's gotten better at that he's grown in, uh, early in his professional career. Um, I think he's getting more comfortable with the offense and and, and understanding um, where his uh, attack positions are going to come from. Um, I think though that's been the evolution for him is is learning that uh, the shots he's going to be able to get. Um, you know, the the one thing again, and I say I said about um, marketing is uh, Evans is a very smart player. Hmm. He he he's smart. He, the the feel jumps off the off the film with him. Yeah, he knows how to play the game. He knows how to play the game. He can see passes, you know, where where you you think, wow, how did he see that? You know, you wouldn't expect him to from that position to see those type of of plays, but he does. And I mean, so he ran he, he ran a, a big big pick and roll at the elbow for a lob. For a I lob. mean, that's you don't see that yeah. a lot. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. But. And, and what I think is great is that is that coaches seeing those things in him. So coaches, you know, kind of adding something and push it a little more just to see if he can get it, you know. And, and so he's he's shown that that he can pick things up pretty quick. And so, you know, and coach is not going to push it too far, but he's 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 obviously adds added some things in there to, to allow Evan to to have more freedom to do some things because he's capable. So phys- physically, he obviously, everyone knows that filling out is, you know, agenda number one for him. That'll take him from being a pretty good player to being a great player. What are ways he can succeed right now, even though he's probably going to be at a, a you know, a, a size disadvantage from a, from a weight perspective and a strength perspective against a lot of these NBA bigs? Like what, what can he, how can he kind of overcome that in the short term while he waits on his body to fill out? Well, I think from an offensive standpoint, um, uses his length and his quickness. Mm-hmm. You know, now that 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 might sound weird because 
he, as you said, you know, when he plays against a, a smaller, stronger guy, then that guy can get up under him. Yeah. So, so for him, instead of trying to back down, back down, back down all the time, he's got to face up. He's got to catch it face and now make a quick move and now get, get to his point, whether it's in the, in the paint and then you just shoot right over top of the little guy. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, so he, right now his, his advantage is his quickness and his length. So from an offensive standpoint, so it's not the power back down, back down, back down is use that quickness and that length to get to your spot. So you can be able to get that shot off, you know, against guys. And when he plays, and I'm sorry, Justin, but when he does play, when he does get that head of steam and he does get to a spot, I have noticed he does play with a little bit of nasty. He's got some power to him. He had that drop step dunk. Uh, and I think the first or the second game. So it's like he has that kind of predisposition to like the bump. But yeah. you're right that how he gets there is very, very important. That's that's the key is how, how he gets there. Yes, that's the key for him right now is is using his speed and his length to get to that point. And once he gets to your point, when he gets to that point, then he can finish it. Yeah, well, you, you said that it, it may sound weird, and a lot of things with Evan Mobley can sound weird, and then you see him on the basketball court, and you're like, oh, yeah, the, the, no, that is what he does. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, it, his ability to just how much with that first step, how much space he covers with those those arms, the ball Correct. control, the, the tenacity, yeah. like, it, it's really impressive. Uh, how do you, as a, a coaching staff, go about balancing the like the the individual growth of some of these young players with the desire to take a step forward as a team. I mean, uh, obviously, no one's really come out and put uh, labels on how many wins or anything like that expectations this year. But a, a lot of the players have spoken about looking to make that push towards winning. When you have situations where what a player's most comfortable doing isn't necessarily in the best interest of team success, how do you balance that process out when you are working with these young players? Uh, you know, that's something that, that coach uh, bigger staff has talked about um, a number of times is uh, there's going to be times when we have to sacrifice. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to sacrifice as a player uh, not to go to your thing, but go to the team's thing. Right. You know, and, and it could change from game to game. You know, sometimes there's going to be times where coach might say to a guy, hey, I need you to carry us. I need you to get us a few buckets. Go get it. Um, but I, I think the again going back to the main thing is it's just playing the game the right way, you know, playing it the right way. What's what's best for the team? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have we have guys on this team that can um, that can make some shots. We have guys on this team that can do certain things. So the ball has to move to the right person um, and allow that person to do what they do well, whether it's drive it, whether it's shoot it, whatever it is. So. The growth, and again, you know, and I, I said this before, you know, you, I think you you have to be careful with the growth of a player individually, and a growth of a player team team wise. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you want to you want to grow individually to being able to make moves and get around people and do things, and then you've got to make the right decision. You know, right. if you get around someone and a big comes, say, as a guard, and then you're going to shoot it over big when you have a dump off or a pass out, then that, that's not good for the team. So <laughs> the growth, you know what I mean? So the growth, the growth comes in two parts. It comes in individually, and then it comes in for, 
you know, for the team, making the right play based on based on how we want to play the game. No, I absolutely. Carter, you were about to speak. <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask you. I mean, obviously, we've been talking a lot of the micro details on you know, individual players, but like, if you were to just kind of like sum up your goals for the sentence in like one or two sentences, like what 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 are the the staff's goals right now? Um, you know, the, I, I think the the main thing that coaches talked about is in terms of a game situation is that we want to be the hardest playing team mm. on the floor. We want to be that, you know, that that's, that's a goal to do is to, to play hard. And he talks about playing together. He talks about playing together, you know, um, and that goes back to what we've been talking about ball movement, body movement. Um, you know, LM says something today, LM marketing. Uh, he <laughs> said something today. I'm sorry. He says something today um, in the huddle when we broke, he, you know, we get in there and guys just say, okay, uh, uh, details on three or teamwork on three or whatever. And LM said, sacrifice for others. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, that <laughs> is in a lot of ways, I feel like that has been the challenge of this team the last couple of years is, you know, there, there are a lot of parts that we like, um, you know, we, we, especially this, this podcast, you know, we, we, we love Darius. We love Colin. We love Jarrett. We're mm. really excited for Evan. But one thing that this team hasn't been able to figure out how to do yet is be more than the sum of their parts. And, you know, if you've got, you know, four top 30 players, then it's okay to not be more than the sum of your parts. <laughs> but, you know, this that, where this team is right now, like if they're going to take that leap, they're going to have to find that synergy and become, you know, one of those teams who's just like, damn, why are they so good? You know, like when, when uh, these teams that haven't been paying attention run into them. So I think that's, I love to hear that goal. Cause I really do think that it's what this team needs. It needs to figure out how to be that, um, that collective that is just a pain in the ass for everyone else to play. <laughs> yeah. And, that, and that's what coach wants. That's what coach wants from a defensive standpoint. He wants us to be, you know, active and aggressive and, and, and just, just not being outworked. And from an offensive end, he wants us to play together as a team. He wants us to sacrifice, like LM said, sacrifice for someone else. And, and you know, you said something, Carter, that was interesting. You know, winning games and team, you want team people to look and say, what are, how are they winning? Because most <laughs> people don't look at how you're playing the game. You know, the little things, the sacrificing the little things, because we don't have that guy to go get 30 or 40 every night, get 30 a night. You know, we don't have that guy. So we have to do it collectively. And, and you know, as coaches preaching to our guys, you know, the most important thing is to win the game. And, and each team has a certain way that will give them a chance to win a game. Mm-hmm. And you have to be willing to sacrifice to do those things in order to win. And, and that's what coach has been preaching the, uh, all of training camp. And, um, you know, and I, and I think our guys have gotten, gotten better at it from, from game one, you know, to the Indiana game. Um, you know, we had situations and it's something that I, you know, on a stat sheet, I'll tell coach at certain times, um, I think in the Indiana game or the Chicago game, you know, we had uh, uh, 13 field goals on 11 assists. And then we have 15 field goals on 13 assists, you know? So that's, that's telling him that the ball is moving to the right people 
And, you know, when the, when the ball is moving, you as a shooter or even not as a shooter, you as a teammate, when you know that that next pass is coming because it's supposed to come, then you have confidence because you're getting ready for that ball to take that shot. Right. If you don't know it's if you don't know it's coming or it comes sometimes, it doesn't come sometimes. Now you're not ready because you don't think it's going to come. I mean, I mean, <laughs> we've literally seen this happen on some of these like, you know, heliocentric <laughs> offenses. We always like to call them the, where it's just one dude pounding the rock and exclusively running every pick especially and roll. Especially in the playoffs, especially yeah, these, in the playoffs. These, these when, shooters are out of rhythm and sometimes you miss 27 straight threes in a game. It, you, sometimes you don't even need the the attempts, right? Like it's just the touches. If the ball is moving, 100%. if you're getting that the feel of it, like it, it makes such a big difference. One hundred percent. You 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 have you just want to feel the ball. You want to feel it. You know you don't. You can't just sit over there and and not and just stand in the corner or stand in the slot and and not touch the ball. You've got to touch the ball and and um, you know that's one of the things again that that coach is talking about is playing together. Uh, making each other better, uh, sacrificing, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, you know, sacrificing the individual thing for the, for the team thing. I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I'm excited because it, it sounds like you guys are, are getting off on, on the right foot. This is a group of players that uh, historically throughout their careers, like these young guys get better as the season progresses. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that gradual improvement. I uh, want to be respectful of your time here and get you out of here. But before we do one final question, um, okay. is there a team uh, throughout your coaching tenure that this Cavs roster reminds you of the most? Oh, wow. Um, that's a good question, Justin. I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, I I can't say that it does because I, I'm I, when I look at this team, I'm looking at the two young point guards. I mean, the two young guards, mm-hmm. um, and then the bigs that we have here. You know, I had young point guards in in with in Vancouver with Mike Bibby and Mike Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I had Sharif at the three, but I didn't have a, a Evan Mobley at the four. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. Didn't have a K-Love who could shoot a guy. Didn't have a Ricky. So it's a I, unique I roster. Know. There's no denying yeah, that. <laughs> it, it, it is. It is. And, it, you know, it's, 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 it's probably, it might be the first team where I would, I wouldn't say the strength, but we're loaded in bigs, mm. you know, we have, you know, you, you, when you've got, you've got a talented marketing, uh, a young, talented Mobley, um, a stretch proven shooter in Kevin Love, a block on J.A. Uh, you know, you, your, your front line, you know, our front line is, is pretty, is pretty strong there. So I've, I have Dean Wade, who, who's worked his way into Dean, becoming yeah. a rotation player. It's but, unbelievable. You know, it's funny because I didn't name Dean because I had Dean. Dean was even looking at playing some threes. So it's kind of like, right. but yeah. You might have to if you want to get some minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, and you're right, but Dean. So, you know, we're so deep um, in, in in the front court. And and I, I haven't been with a team that's been this deep in the front court. I've been with most teams where, you know, the perimeter players uh, was it. So this is, this is, this is different. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Coach. We we really, truly appreciate your time. Uh, be- best of luck uh, this season. And uh, big thanks to our listeners as well. Uh, if you guys are listening on podcasts, uh, make sure to leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can do so by leaving a screenshot that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. And until next time, go Cavs. Thank you.